Welcome to Watchmen Minute, where we're discussing the 2009 Zack Snyder film, Watchmen, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash. My name is Travis Bowe from the Real Comic Heroes podcast. And I'm Ian Levisteen from the Comic Timing podcast. Hey Ian, glad to have you back. One last time, I believe? One last time! Mm -hmm. Unless something weird happens and I somehow wind up four more times. But for now, one last time. So this is minute uh, 118. Yes, it is. Here on Wednesday. And it starts with Lori talking about going out and doing something stupid. And ends with Archie flying through a tunnel. <laughs> Very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Most stupid things happen at 3 a.m., so I think that that's, uh, that's probably some sound advice from her. Mm, yeah, yeah. I used to think it was an effort to cheer up Dan when she, you know, like last minute, she starts to suggest that they go out, uh, take Archie out, and uh, you know, here she's talking about being a Master Avenger and all that, so I think I lean more, like last yesterday's minute I would have said she was just trying to cheer him up but then the way she responds in today's minute about the being a masked avenger like it now it feels more like it's something that she wants to do for her and yeah. like you got to remember that they just had this you know insanely violent fight in an alley like two or two days ago three days ago maybe um you know, so she could still be like chasing some kind of adrenaline rush and just really, you know, eager to get out there and suit up and, you know, hit the night like like they used to. But, you know, up until now, you know, she hasn't really spoken highly of her the old activity, you know, the old crime fighting like that was something she was pushed into. So like maybe now it's it's come around to. It's something that she wants to do and enjoy. Um, I don't know. Well, I, I legitimately just paused it right after she, you know, she said, let's go take Archie out. And she looks like she is looking to chase these superhero dragons. Yeah. So like th there's there's a look on her on her face. that just screams like I need one more hit. <laughs> And again, I don't know if it's just the fact that I just happened to pause it at just the right moment, but like she's got it. She's got to look in her face like this is something that she not just wants, but also needs at yeah. this particular moment, which is exactly what Dan's been experiencing anyway. So I think that they're this is absolutely the validation that both of them need to go out and kick some buttons in spandex or not spandex, whatever their costumes are. <laughs> uh, latex in her in her case, I think. Yeah, <laughs> may have been spandex in the comic, but I don't think it's spandex here. Yeah, uh, just just her facial expressions remind me of just like a little girl. Yes, mm, yeah, ready to have some fun. Yep, ready to take on the whole empire by herself. <laughs> her facial expression also says, "And uh, if we go out, that means you get to finally put on pants." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all she really wants. I just need to get, I just need to get some pants on this lunatic we know that we know the truth we know the truth it's like okay man like just because it's your secret lair doesn't mean you get to walk around naked all the time like come on yeah. come on be sincere at least throw on a bathrobe you degenerate <laughs> <laughs> it 
with the night owl logo on it. Like it, <laughs> it could be one of those bathrobes that has like the the hood where the, you yeah the built-in hood. <laughs> yeah, that 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 would be awesome, man. Yeah. Like, come on, he needs like three of those. I, I need one of those, right? <laughs> uh, she says, "A uh, masked avenger." Yeah. So I wondered about how many ways are there to say superhero, <laughs> right? Mind you, she doesn't wear a mask. Yeah. Like, yeah, I used, that's a good I, point. I used to be a masked Avenger. Like, everybody <laughs> knows what your face looks like. Like, come on. Like, you are. That that would be like if Mr. Fantastic called himself a masked Avenger. And, like, mm-hmm. not once has he ever worn a mask. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not the best line. That's, uh, I've never considered that, that she says masked. And I mean, obviously, you know, she's lumping herself in with the with the rest of them, which makes sense. But uh, I could see her character having, you know, like a domino mask. I think that would really work for her, like a maybe something like a like a black cat kind of with some sharp angles and not like not all rounded like the the first night owl. You know, his his domino mask is very you know, round edges and everything uh, works for works for his persona. Um, but I could see her having some kind of little, little, little mask like that too. That would be pretty cool. Well, that's, that's something that actually uh, I, I was meaning to bring up and it's, it's one of the things that's bothered me a lot when it comes to the world of superheroes that a lot of the times females do not wear masks. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like in, in general, yeah. Like, uh, I mean, you know, Black Canary very rarely does. Like, in, in, in some of the iterations of her comics, she's uh, of, her cost, of her costumes, she's wearing some sort of domino mask. But for the most part, she's not. Okay, um, yeah. Batgirl does, but that's because Batgirl has a cow. Um, but think of, like, Black Widow. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, think Wonder of Woman. Uh, Wonder Woman. Um, most iterations of Captain Marvel, um, she, can, she can wear one but uh well her ms marvel one she she had she had one but yeah. um so at least one version where she doesn't um and i feel like it for the most part and i think it's emphasized in in this in this watchman world as well that the women are objects of desires and if they wear a mask then that's covering up their features yeah yeah because even Silhouette didn't wear a mask, and obviously uh, Sally Jupiter didn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. hmm. yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's, it's very it's very interesting. Like, I mean, how are you supposed to have a secret identity in this world if everybody knows what your freaking face looks like? Right, and, and it's because quite simply, the women seem to be more celebritized than the men. Yeah, because I'm thinking we're because all of the men wore masks, right? Um, definitely Hooded Justice. Um, <laughs> Captain Metropolis had some kind of like domino mask slash, maybe I think something else. Maybe Ozymandias didn't, right? Well, here in the movie, he sometimes has one in like the publicity photos or in their first meeting. He was definitely wearing the a really weird looking uh, domino mask. And then he gave up on it, basically. Very, yeah, yeah. Huh. I mean, Dr. Manhattan is blue, so that yeah, kind of yeah. fits the purpose there. Um, and Rorschach is a, is a full face mask, but that's 
That's Rorschach. That's his face. Yeah, exactly. Um, hmm. It's just it, it's it's one of those things that like I, I've I've noticed for years. Like sometimes they'll wear a wig, and that's as far as they go to to hide their identity. Like a yeah. big Gomez Canary, like Black Canary wears a blonde wig, which depending on the version of Black Canary and what year of comics it is, it's either her actual hair or it's a wig. Um, and it's just it it's it's always kind of bothered me, and hmm. I I notice it even more here in this. In this movie, especially with the line "mass," you know, "mass Avenger," and uh, it just, yeah, it hits me. Hmm. No, I did uh, look at um, the, the the basis that uh, Alan Moore had for the okay. characters, and and the Charlton character was Nightshade. Mm-hmm. And if you Google her, she does have a a mask. Okay, interesting. A, 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 a bit bigger than Domino. Hmm. It's a little bit fuller around her face. Okay, than your normal Domino. Um, but the uh, little bit of notes I have on, uh, uh, you know, g- going from the Charlton character Nightshade, he was not impressed by the character and drew more from heroines such as Black Canary, yeah, and Phant- and Phantom Lady. Sure. Oh, Phantom Lady, definitely. No, now that you mention it, especially in the costume, I could I could see, I could see where that comes from. Hmm. And is it just me? I mean, you especially in the profile shot here. Um, the, the with the gold costume that she's wearing, I swear to God, you can see through the costume. Like there's, there's, I can almost make out the bra or whatever she's wearing underneath the costume. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know whether or not it's it's the shading or whether or not it's just, you know, the material that it is. But I don't know. It, it, it you'd expect something maybe a little bit more protective. In, in a super in a super heroine outfit, and you ain't getting that. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely. Um, I guess yeah, kind of jumping ahead to when we see her in her you know full on outfit. There is um, the yellow layer or yeah, gold is kind of see through, not see through, but you know. But yeah, there does seem to be then another black layer underneath. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Considering considering how armored Night Owl is, like, <laughs> yeah, and of it, <laughs> it's like both neither one of these people have powers. Like they both can get hurt pretty badly. She doesn't seem to be really wearing any sort of protective layer of any sort. Definitely want to talk about how it it transitions. You know he. Uh, where's the line? Oh, that's right. Because he says you're serious, and then she says the thing about going out doing something stupid. Which, for some reason, that became like her marketing line. Um, <laughs> I remember in one of the posters that was like the quote that they used from her. You know, I'm used to going out at three in the morning and doing something stupid, and it's like, is that? It's not. It's not one of her best lines but then I, I don't know what what else is i don't know what great lines she really does have so i guess this is the best i don't know yeah. i mean go, going back to you know being quote-unquote underwritten a little bit um yeah i can't really think of any real big lines that she does have in this like outside of like even with a conversation with dr manhattan earlier on in the in the movie yeah. Um, nothing really stands out to me as a, you know, that is a, that is a line you can go to for marketing purposes or for, 
remembrance purposes. Yeah. Um, work with what you got, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the, I think he kind of gives her a look once she says that line and, you know, gives, gives a little smile, which is nice. And then we get like this engine, you know, turbine humming that, that starts building kind of a jet, jet engine spooling up a little bit. And then we get the full on, you know, little start of the heroic look at Dan in his in his night owl costume and the, the horns are blasting like as far as the music goes and it's very classic superhero and uh you know welcome to Patrick Wilson ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> not not even just classic superhero they they have gone full on batman here oh yes <laughs> Every single thing screams like whether it be Tim Burton, Batman or Batman, the animated series to me, um, that's where the music's going and that's where the image is going and that's where the feel is going. I, I very much get that, especially especially in the music swell. Yeah. Um, I could hear I could hear the semblances of da, 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 da mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Uh, did either of you take note of how long the the shot is? Slow zoom in. Um, about twenty four seconds. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because it starts it's around second fifteen sixteen, goes all the way yeah till about second forty. Yeah, I'm watching. I'm watching it right now. Thank you, TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's. That's that's pretty damn slow. <laughs> yet 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 again, if there if there's one that you know, like uh, other than what I already mentioned on previous episodes about Zack Snyder, like there's one thing that Zack Snyder relies heavily upon. It is slowdown. Oh yeah, and that is very much the case here. Um, both both with the night owl shot and the and with the silk spectre shot. It's just there's. There's definitely, you know, this is their moment mm-hmm. and, and you get to experience it as slow as humanly possible. Yeah, it just, you know, shit like this just works. It just it seems so damn heroic, yeah. um, which I know is, you know, kind of goes against some of what the, the book is trying to do and with the whole deconstruction and everything. But I do think that the movie needs some of these moments like this to make you feel like it's these guys are heroes or at least they, you know, can at times feel super heroic and on all that. So well, and here's my thing about, about Watchmen and, and Alan Moore for that matter. I feel like as the years have gone on, Alan Moore has tried to push the deconstruction aspect of Watchmen even further than when it originally came out. Mm. And I believe that actually is partially influenced by his negativity towards superheroes in general now, um, because I, you know, there's been many in an interview that came out where Alan Moore has straight up said that, you know, comic books today are garbage. And then, of course, they ask the question, are you reading comics? And he says no. So like, like great. It, it's fantastic for you to think the superhero that, uh, you know, comics and superheroes are garbage when you're not even reading or paying attention to anything that's going on. You just decided that one day you woke up and 
because DC wronged you, everything sucks. Yeah. Uh, but when you look at the original piece of Watchmen, and mind you, yes, I have not read it in a couple of years, but there's definitely super heroics there, um, even through the deconstruction. And yes, the the movie relies a little bit more heavy upon that than the book does, but it's there. You know, it's it it's hard to deny, especially with Night Owl, mm-hmm. um, yeah. that that he is he is very much the traditional superhero type. He's based on freaking Blue Beetle, yeah, and and that and that comes through like. You know, whether it be the Ted Cord Blue Beetle or whether it be the original Blue Beetle, like he's always been an optimist and a and a superhero more than anything else. And 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 you do get that, whether or not Alan Moore will admit it or not. Hmm. That's my hot take. Yeah, that's a good take. Yeah. Um. So what do we think of the Night Owl suit? We haven't really talked about it um, and not in great detail aside from just talking about like the this is obviously um created after the kind of the batman you know cinematic batman suits that we've had you know for years i think is their their take here but uh yeah um it's not okay it it is so obvious to me that Zack Snyder directed this and directed Batman v Superman because the desert Batman suit you see and that that dream sequence in that is so obviously based on Night Owl's appearance here. Um, Or at least I get that feel because I can see that when it comes to the goggles and it kind of comes to the general appearance, um, at least that's that's the feel that I get. Like you can definitely tell that these movies were done by the same person because they have the same aesthetic. If that if that makes sense. Sure. Um, what I will say about the outfit, um, I don't know if I'm quite sold on the on the metallic aspect of it. Um, I think I prefer a night owl with with more blue than than gray and black. Okay. Uh, kind of mutes it a little bit because I'm, I'm right now i'm actually le- legitimately paused on on a profile shot of uh of night owl so i can see the scales pretty well yeah. and and it just it doesn't it doesn't make him stand out very much um kind of just makes him look like a generic batman ripoff and i and i don't know if that's exactly what they were going for but like yeah i mean yes obviously he has his batman roots but like it's it's very much there's nothing really distinguishing him from other superheroes in that vein right here, you know, hmm. at least to me, to me personally, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like he needs, he needs more flourishes of color. He needs more, just more to make him stand out from every other superhero costume we've seen. Sure. Okay. Eric, what's your take on him? Um, well, I'm even looking at the original, um, in the comic as well. And, uh, you know, there's, it's definitely, there's the, the under, the big kind of cow going across the shoulders even more with the, with the cape around the shoulders even more in the comic uh you know the 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 under you know uh the uh, spandex what have you is is that gray grayish mm-hmm. color gray with a you know a hint of blue yeah cool cool gray 
in there. Um, and he does have a the, the yellow utility belt though. Mm-hmm. There, <laughs> very Batman Batman esque. At yeah. least the at least the sixties uh, uh, Adam West and and uh, Silver Age Batman. Um, but you know, and I I do like that they're kind. It's kind of mimicking some feather stuff. You know, you say scales, but I say feathers. Yeah. <laughs> Feathers yeah. does make more sense. It just yeah. it, it reminds me of like Aquaman's outer armor more than anything else. Like, mm. I know they're going for yeah. feathers. It just looks more scaly to True. me. And I would have liked it if they had had at least given him like more of a. I don't know. I can't really see his belt from the from this image. Like, do they? Does he have like a a uh, a moon insignia on the belt at all? He's got like a one of his, you know boomerang or moon yeah. crescent yeah. shaped boomerangs is on his belt but it's not like this dead center it's not a yeah. symbol it's an actual weapon that's yeah. that's you know holstered there fair enough um i i love the costume here um, <laughs> i really do i i'm glad i i think i like parts of it better than the book version because i really don't care for the cowl in the book or the way it the headpiece goes kind of up and then goes all the way down the back, uh-huh. and it looks like his you know head is like a foot wide. It does you know? hinder his movement a lot too. Like What's it, that? It, you would think it would hinder his movement a lot too. Right? Yeah, yeah. This one, I just I love the the silhouette of it, the the way the horns kind of are shaped on the on the cowl, the way they kind of go back. Um, they're reminiscent of a bat suit, but not not completely it's more like a wolverine kind of look um yeah i i just really dig this this whole suit i like when he kind of turns his head um this is also a very uh it was a big moment from the trailer or it's i always remember parts of this shot from the trailer you know this him standing here heroically with the the wind blowing his cape and everything and but I always thought it was funny. Like once you're in this moment, it you know continues to zoom in on him, and then he does that turn and looks up a little bit, and you get a great side profile of his face, and then his jaw just drops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that that is a nice touch. Yeah. Well, and I was also I also had a note about uh, what was he actually looking at, kind of <laughs> before oh. he did that that did that turn. Oh sure, too. Yeah, just uh, I'm gonna stand here and look cool. <laughs> maybe I did just need the yellow flourishes. Maybe that would have just sold it for me a little bit more. Or maybe yeah, yeah. Down on on the on the cowl, it's just it's very muted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the yeah, actual could is nice. I could have gone for a nice yellow utility belt. I, I will agree with you there. Yeah. But I also like just I like seeing a, a superhero costume in brown. Like you don't see that very often, yeah. and I think that it looks good. I like that it's got like copper kind of uh, hints with the, the kind of, with the feathers, um, with the metallic look, you know, of them. I, I do like kind of that that shimmer that it's got. Mind you, if you added the three claw marks on the front, he could be Catman. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So then, oh, I was just gonna say that I love Archie's design. That that. Oh that, yeah, 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 yeah. They they basically just cut it straight out of the book. I mean, 
obviously there there are some differences, but I think it's it's a beautiful design and yeah, I think they nailed it. Definitely. Um we get uh the yeah, like the full on introduction of the Silk Spectre costume. You know, we've seen it before a little bit in some in some flashbacks, but and I guess now in a dream sequence, but um, this was always a good moment, her walking down the stairs in it. And this is, her costume here is considerably different than the book. Um, because really in the book she's wearing, it's like a black, um, almost like a bathing suit on, on the underneath layer. And then over the top of it she's just got like a see-through yellow like tunic kind of thing over the whole thing. Maybe a belt and then... Uh, fairly short, you know, uh, just right, pretty standard heels. And here, you know, from the, she's got the black thigh high boots with the like garter belt kind of attachments that go up. Um, um, it appears to all be latex. So texturally it's completely different. Um, the midsection here, she it's it's actually got a corset kind of built into the costume because uh, you can kind of see right under right under where her boobs are. You can see that there's like a, a seam where where the corset kind of starts. So it's like they've really just used the color scheme <laughs> is basically the only thing that uh, that really matches up with the the book. Other than that, it's pretty. Uh, it's quite a bit different, but I mean, I like the suit here. I mean, it's it, it's definitely way more form fitting. Sure, uh, here and way more reminiscent to Black Canary in in the movie. Yeah, um, than than it is to the comics. Um, I'd actually say you're probably closer to Phantom Lady yeah. in the in the comic than you are to Black Canary, and it's the very much the reverse here. Um, and that- yeah, I do I, I do like it. It's just I also kind of wish it was more a little bit more practical but then again i think that a lot with with a lot of sure with a lot of co- uh costumes for women because i'm not too familiar with phantom lady so phantom lady um was uh was one of the golden age uh characters from from dc comics um she was part of uh of uh, uncle sam and the freedom fighters hmm. um and uh and her, she's had many, many different outfits over the years, um, but one in particular um, did have very much a a dress style to it um, that that you can see they drew com- uh, a lot of influence for for mm. for Spectre's comic costume. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at some pictures now. I kind of see the can definitely see some of the inspiration here yeah yeah yep and there's been many many different iterations of that it feels like she's she has the uh, the power girl issue of like mm. more costume disappearing as time goes by right right but at least but at least uh silk specter in the in the movie can probably bend down a lot easier <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, there is this uh, the staircase she's walking down. I, I don't think that's like a staircase we've kind of seen before. I don't think. Like I mean, I, I even went back to like minute twenty two, and I mean, there's a little bit of a staircase, little bit of stairs going from like that upper area to lower area. Um, 
uh, you know, a, a very minor, you know, minor shift, uh, mm-hmm. but which looks and it looks pretty similar railing, but this is a lot, definitely a lot longer higher. Up. Yeah, you're right. This is Other completely, the, yeah. yeah, completely new area that it leads to, or yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know what where this is going. And practical staircase is now the show title. There we go. Brad- <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I movies do that all the freaking time. Like, yeah. like, like, hey, that wasn't in the last shot. And now it's there. Now I guess that's going to be important. Hmm. <laughs> um, I like her uh, as it, you know, her entrance kind of finishes up with her walking all the way up to the camera, and nice tight shot on her face, and she's got this really like a smoky eye, you know, eyeshadow thing going on. I really like it. Just it works. It kind of feels like a little bit like a mask, you know, kind of like the mm. almost like a di- domino mask kind of effect, just with the eyeshadow. So I do, yeah, I think it's a. She looks pretty badass. Yeah, I like her hair too. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't really change much. I mean, throughout the movie, it's pretty. I think it stays pretty consistent. I think. Yeah. But, well, she has uh, just flatter hair in the movie than she does in the comics, sure. definitely. Yeah. Um, which I guess would be a little bit more practical. So then they uh, we see Archie flying through the tunnel, and uh, I guess they're off. Um, I would say the only thing that I that I don't care for with this uh, with Archie coming, you know, straight at the camera. It's like the the focus is all on that. Uh, I guess when you're looking at it. It's the, the left side, you know, win, window. Um, and there, like, like Dan is sitting in the opposite oh. side, and it's because of the headlights. It's just a constant glare. Like you can't get a good you know, visual on them sitting there in the you know the other like window mm. um and as archie gets closer to the camera or closer to the screen and passes by you're just looking at a big cavernous you know inside of archie and there's nothing in there i mean you can see you know obviously some of the structure of the ship but why not just put dan and lori in the other side in the side that's closer to us uh, we know that Dan can pilot it from this side because he did so when he was with a uh, comedian, you know, in the, in breaking up the riot, that's the side that he was sitting on then. So I don't know why you put them on the further side and then obscure them with headlights and then just focus on nothing as, as Archie passes by. We we did get uh, shots where we could kind of see inside earlier uh, in the flashback scene. Yeah. Um, of them leaving, and it was uh, uh, Rorschach in there with them, and you could yeah. kind of make them out just a little bit. You, know, you kind of get an idea that, oh, yeah, Rorschach was on one side and not at all on the other. But, um, yeah, it seems like they're kind of afraid to... I, I, I'll, I'll be interested in seeing if, if there's a closer-up shot inside of, of one of them sitting in there. Or, yeah. or did we get that during the comedian scene with the mob? 
Um, right. Yeah, there was definitely some good clear shots Is of that... Dan, like in the in the driver's seat. But it wasn't moving then. I wonder if that not had, really no that has something to do with it. I feel like that might also be just convenience. Um, that that it's it's easier for them to just you know glare it than actually animate it to look like there's somebody inside it. I don't know because I mean they built this this ship existed you know full yeah. size full scale and Dan's sitting in the opposite window he's there I mean I, I can't get a f- great sense of whether or not Lori's there I think she is but again it's obscured by the the lighting um, so they could easily have just put them in the other side and then did the same camera movement you know same pass by. And captured them sitting in the side that's closer to us. I, I don't know. I yeah. think it's really weird that they chose to show this the empty side of of the ship. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, right, right to Zack Snyder. See what he says. Yeah, I think I will. <laughs> the the sub the subterranean like cavern and whatnot like makes me wonder like is this an abandoned subway line? Um, is this like what exactly? What exactly is he is he coming from? Because I know I know New York, you know, geography pretty well. And yes, mind you, this is a this is a fictional New York. Like, sure. Obviously, I get that. It's just like where must his house be to get enough leeway with the subway hmm. and then wind up being in the river afterwards? <laughs> um, like, is it? Is it somehow a piece of like the R line that that never wound up getting built out or something? I don't know. It's just and mind you, this is the New Yorker and me coming out. Right here. Sure, it's like, sure. I know my subways pretty damn well, and that just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Like un- unless it's unless it's somehow the city hall station, which has been abandoned for years, um, which means that he somehow has a place near city hall, which is unrealistic. I don't know where I don't know I don't know where the hell his house is. And yeah. I don't know where any of this is is making sense geography was. Well, I, I think Travis's point before we've talked a little bit about this before, and and uh, I think Travis's good point or someone maybe the guest we had on then was well, what about the electricity coming into this <laughs> section of abandoned mm-hmm. abandoned maybe subway and yeah right so you know he's, he's draining off of something yeah you know well I I think we've pieced together and yeah. I think it was our our theory and then something in the film companion like backed it up and, and legitimized it that this the, the owl cave is in a an abandoned maintenance depot so basically it's it's not a it's not a subway stop you know you wouldn't have people getting off and getting on here but they would send you know a subway car down to this this room for maintenance so it's kind of like an offshoot of maybe a a central hub or something so um so it's kind of like the, the end of the line, but only for you know maintenance, and Got so it. that's how it connects to the subway line. Um, so a train yard, basically. Basically, yeah. Um, and then you know somewhere along the lines, it got left off of someone's you know engineering like uh, blueprints or, or you know schematics or someone like. They they Paid lost off. a train depot. 
Uh, How do you lose a train depot? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they found a way. <laughs> I know in the book it talks about you know this this whole space like he bought the building and then you know basically somehow that gave him access to everything below the building and then he bought like some warehouse a couple blocks away which is actually where Archie would emerge from um, instead of going out underneath the water like it would go into a warehouse and then go up through the warehouse and out of out through the roof slight meandering but a little a little bit of uh, of New York City uh subway trivia here um, when they were looking to rebuild the uh, the Fulton Street Station, which which has become a hub here in here in New York, um, they they needed to uh, either tear down or rebuild a building that was directly next to it. But they didn't actually own that building, and it turned out that that building was actually like by pure coincidence owned by at the time the head of the MTA. Huh. And he he literally just he legitimately just gave it to the MTA and was like go ahead and use it and wow. and they wound up using that as part of their their Fulton Street restructuring and now that entire you know like mall and whatnot that's there is all there because of pure coincidence. Nice. So that's so I, I'm just going to go off of again like pure coincidence city planning is how Night Owl has a lair and and somehow has that lead track. Yeah. I also kind of speculated that it could be, you know, if you know the right people, um, maybe with his connections with Ozymandias, uh, maybe they were able to grease the right, uh, the right wheels or whatever, and get and get something like this, you know, off the the books. Um, was this was this the first Night Owl's Slayer as well, or no? He had like a, his own little garage type space. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. So yeah, I guess I guess you could do anything if you have the right, if you have the right amount of cheddar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I feel like I could have used your uh, input a lot throughout the the first part of the movie because I was obsessed with mapping and like uh, pointing out all the addresses that, that pop up in the movie and all the you know just little bits of like locations that I was able to pinpoint throughout New York and I called it the uh, the Watchmen walking tour. um well hey i mean you you can still thank this movie oh yeah a whole bunch of movies that film in canada having Mm. a realistic new york to work off of because they built that up there in the studio and they just went ahead and kept it there so yeah that's one of the things i appreciate the most about this movie is that it made it made canadian new york look a little bit more like real new york right well if you ever need my input in future episodes just go ahead and give me a holler and i can give you a new york minute uh will do (laughs) All right, Ian. Um, why don't you tell us what your history is with Watchmen? Uh, sure. Um, so, uh, obviously, I mean, my first exposure to the Watchmen was the 1980s cartoon Watchmen Babies. Um, <laughs> okay. No, to be to be entirely serious, although I absolutely love that animated uh, short, and if you haven't watched it on YouTube, it's absolutely amazing. Um, uh, but if uh, – uh, Sorry, that was Saturday morning Watchmen. I'm confusing it. That's what it was. It was it was Watchmen Babies V is for V is for Vacation. Yeah. And it was the no. Saturday morning Watchmen uh short on YouTube. Yeah. Yes. All right, there we go. Boom, got my wires crossed. Um first time reading Watchmen was in college. Um I went to Brooklyn College and there was a comic shop directly outside of Brooklyn College uh called Bulletproof Comics. 
which is still there, um, run by Hank. He's an awesome guy. Uh, so if you're ever in the uh, Brooklyn College area, just go ahead and go over to uh, to Flatbush Avenue, and you can find uh, Bulletproof there and tell Frank, uh, tell Hank that Ian said hi, and he'll probably know who I am because he remembers people that well. Um, but I, I remember picking it up there and uh, giving it a read and not really liking it that much. Um, I I didn't really get it. And it took me about another, say maybe about another like five or six years of not reading it to then go back and give it my full attention. Because back then what I would do is I would mainly read comics when I was going to and to and from places and it would be in short bursts. And that's not what Watchmen needs. Mm -hmm. Um, Watchmen is very much that type of book where you need to sit down and give it your time. Um, I learned that about Grant Morrison books. Like I can't read Grant Morrison books on a train. (laughs) You know, like I got to sit down and I got to give it my absolute full attention. And that's definitely what I wound up having to do with Watchmen. And I gave it a second read and I liked it a lot more that second time around. However, and I stick by this, Watchmen is not the book you give to people to like comics. Okay. And I mean that sincerely. Right. Anybody who is coming into comics blind, if I hear the words Dark Knight Returns or Watchmen come out of your mouth as these are books you should try. Right. You yeah, are not. Start, really- yeah. Start with this. Yes, that that is not a starter comic, and I, I do a I do a panel uh, at Anime Next every year called American Comics for Manga Fans, where I try to give fans of manga uh, a beginning point for comics, and I introduce them to like, hey, if you like horror comics, you might like this. If you like superhero comics, you might like this. And for years, we had what not to read at the end, and at the what not to read because these were beginners was Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns, and I stick by that. Yeah. And I think my own reading experience says to me that you have to be a seasoned comic book reader who knows your stuff at least a little bit about, if not Charlton history, then at least DC history, and and Marvel to an extent. Like, you have to really, really be into comics to love Watchmen. And I think that when I went back to it about four or five years after the fact, I was much more into it than I was, and I was a more experienced reader, and I wasn't just reading, you know, like Spider-Man and X-Men and stuff like that. I was more reading into more intricate stories, and I enjoyed it a lot more. Um, and uh, then I went to see the Watchmen movie, and uh, I I enjoyed it for the most part, but also at points felt it lacking because Watchmen itself as a comic is so complete that to then see it for the most part played out on the screen beat by beat was not really what I was looking for. Um, and, and it is what it is. I mean, basically like, you know, you could have went one of two ways with that. It's one of the reasons why I'm actually highly looking forward. I don't know what your guys thoughts on this is. Um, the Damon Lindelof Watchmen miniseries or series that's coming out on HBO. Um, I'm actually looking forward to that more than I was the movie. Um, just because it's going to be something that's Watchmen, but not Watchmen, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, taking the basic ideas of it, but also doing its own thing. Um, that's how I like my superhero movies. Like Civil War, 
was civil war, but it also wasn't civil war. It was its sure. own thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I appreciate the most. And, um, I think that Watchmen, the comic for me has a special place in, in my heart now that it didn't when I read it for the first time. And I'm glad I went back and I reread it. Um, because it is, it is a, it is a seminal comic book. It is not my favorite comic book, but it is a seminal comic book that I'm very glad that that exists and move the medium forward in a lot of in a lot of ways. So that that's what I'd say my history with the book is. Well, very cool. Well, I didn't rant too much there. No, no, no. That was great. <laughs> love hearing people, you know, with love hearing their history with especially with the book. Um Yeah. I mean, to be honest, most of most of the the history with the movie has been, you know, either saw it opening night or weekend or saw it eventually or, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's, but the book is always, I think the, the, uh, the cooler one to find out the history Definitely. of. Still some, still some of the best comic book art straight up that I've, that I've seen like mm. period. It is, it is such a, it is such a gorgeous book. Um, outside of like, Alex's Ross's painted sure stuff like this is this is one of the most seminal pieces of classic comic book style that you can find. It's the most like jam packed with stuff. I mean, I was looking at it today and just um, kind of looking at this this section of the movie that we're in um, kind of look at those pages and like even on when Dan wakes up from from the dream. You know, there on his maybe this nightstand, yeah. or, um, or actually, I think because in the book they're in the living room. I think it's on the coffee table. There's a there's a magazine there with mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Manhattan's face on it. So I've never noticed that before, but it's there and it's <laughs> it's pretty small, you know. But Dave Gibbons was able to get that detail in there just enough to make you realize who it is. And you know, it's I'm always finding little things like that. Um, it's amazing the amount of detail and just uh, how much stuff is in every single panel. But then it's also uh, for me the, the the bigger picture, you know, the the panel by panel idea, you know, what 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 they what they decided to do, what they tried to do there, and, and oh yeah, uh, zooming in and out, almost almost movie like. <laughs> sure, but uh, you know that's that's that's. Why I think Zack Snyder was able to get it translated, you know, in, in something of a faithful manner. Yeah. In certain ways. Definitely. And uh, I can I can 100% say I have never read a before Watchmen comic. Um, I I skipped that entirely. I am, however, reading Doomsday Clock, and I'm I'm enjoying that. Although I do I do very much see that as its own thing. Um, even even if it does quote-unquote continue the Watchmen story um it's it's essentially its own bag like Mm -hmm. you 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 get you got to separate it in your your head like you know Alan Moore never wanted the sequel this is in another universe with the Watchmen characters in it like that's Mm -hmm. that's that's the best way to put it like definitely this is not where where Alan would have ever headed but it's where Hans is heading and you know I'm along for the ride that's very similar to what our last our guest last week uh, said about, you know, never touching before Watchmen and, and kind of appreciating Doomsday Clock as its own little thing. Yep. Yeah. But 
and again, I'll, I understand if you don't want to delve into before Watchmen, but the, uh, the Minutemen book. Yeah. So I've, yeah. Yeah. Especially, I mean, with Darwin Cook's art and that's. Yeah. Yeah. Darwin, Darwin was one of a kind. Yeah. Yeah. He really was. Um, I have, I have absolute new frontier on my shelf and Mm. I, I, I absolute one of the two artists that I, that I'm still very, very sad that we've lost, that we lost way before their time. Mike Waringo and, and Darwin Cook. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just for like their God, they were so kinetic and so they had such love for the medium as well. Um, and yeah, Darwin, if I'm going to pick up anything, it's going to be the Minutemen. Just, yeah. just exactly what you said, just for how much love he has for those characters. All right. Um, I think that's going to do it for, uh, for today, but, uh, Ian, we definitely want to thank you for, for joining us this week. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. My pleasure guys. Happy, happy to be here. Like I said, if you ever need a, a random tag in, just go ahead and give me a holler and, I'll wax poetic about New York again. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Right on. Uh, remind everyone where they can uh, find you and find your show. Sure. Uh, once again, uh, comic ti- the Comic Timing Podcast can be found at comictiming.net. Uh, we're on all your random podcast aggregators, whether you use Android or Apple, a.k.a. iTunes or Google Podcasts or Beyond Pod or... Mm, that's a, that's the one I use. Oh, so so, so do I. Go figure. You know you know where they're out of. What? About ten miles away from me. Really? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know it when I <laughs> found them and started using it. I never you think of it. I never think of an app as having like a some place that they're based out of. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Usually, I just assume they're all out of San Francisco because mm. that's that's where most uh, <laughs> you know people are based Silicon out of Valley. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm all over the joint on that. Uh, we've got many, many episodes to choose from. Uh, Eric was on a recent episode where we're talking about, uh, infinity war. Uh, so if you want to hear Eric, uh, talk about that, you can go ahead and do so there. Um, and, uh, by the time this is out, uh, or shortly thereafter, we'll be having our San Diego comic con wrap up, uh, with a couple of friends of mine who are at the con, and they'll be sharing their experiences as well as some of the stuff that they that we learned over the week. And uh, we'll probably also talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp a little bit as well. Uh, and so and you can find me at Facebook.com slash Comic Timing for any Comic Timing stuff. And at I underscore AM underscore Sci-Fi on the tweeters. Right on. Well, all right. That's uh, we will be back tomorrow. Um for minute 119 my this is your minute to yeah. <laughs> wrap up sorry eric you're fine, you're fine. <laughs> yeah so that's a uh, minute 119 tomorrow on thursday and we'll until then who watches the watchmen we do we do we do one minute at a time at the stone cutters at least well one time <laughs> everyone's got got to get one in there yes Watchmen are over. Ah!